This is Deep Natter. And in this episode, we're talking about control and fear, both in terms of how they're related to one another and how they can individually and collectively keep us from putting out new work. Here we go. I just formatted my memory card as well. Special day. Oof. Oh, yeah. All right. So uh, I'm recording on the Mixcast, and I'm recording also in Audio Hijack. So we've got a, a you know two two different places. This is this is I've, I think I have it dialed in. I think. I don't know. I sound okay to you. Sound great to me. I have spent, as you might imagine, hours. <laughs> <laughs> so unlike you, usually just slap dash. <laughs> oh my god! I posted a thing to Twitter today that is. I don't think I've ever seen Adrian laugh so hard at something that I have shared. And she was like, oh, my God, I can't even with this. The test cam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the little audiogram of, you know, testing the uh, waveforms. And, and it's it will sound like I've cut that together, but I didn't. That's one take. And there are... <laughs> <laughs> there are dozens of similar takes, you know, of of me going back and forth, like, oh, two and a half dB, three dB, two and a half dB, three dB, test, boom, test, boom, like all of this craziness. And in the in the moment, <laughs> don't judge me. In the no, no. moment, I'm thinking this is absolutely necessary. But when I step back and I listen yeah. to it objectively, I'm like, oh, Jeffrey, <laughs> you need to go talk to someone. You're really specific about stuff, though, aren't you? I mean, like it's it was like the 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 choosing the camera thing, yeah. Like you went through a few years ago. Like you you looked at every speck and how it could be used, and like yes. you're really really particular about stuff. Like when you get something in a box, I mean, like like me, our, our different approaches to buying gear like couldn't be poles, <laughs> more poles apart. Really, you are my gear bought, guru, ninja, yeah, Sherpa, no, think, you know. Just like your post-its would cause me anxiety, I think this would cause you anxiety. I mean, I literally, when I bought all these Sonys and switched over, um, like I just looked up the specs. I knew they did good stuff. I looked at the work that other people were producing with these cameras and went, well, if they can do it, then I can do it. No excuses. And I just bought them. I never touched one. And I knew the ergonomics on the A7 III were bad. But I'm like, anything, any of those little things, I can let go because I know it's the right, it's got the right specs and does the right thing for me. But I think you are finely like detail oriented so when you get something even if it does the main things it says well but does a side thing like 80 percent of optimal <laughs> it will really bug you oh it ruins me it ruins me <laughs> and i it's funny i was i'm i've been doing some work on my website and under you know like on a blog post it'll it'll have like you know if if you like this you might also like this and it'll have you know some some other random post on the site Mm. Uh, one of the things that it linked to was an iteration that I did a while back called the myth of the perfect thing. Uh, yeah. And, and it was me talking about when I bought a new car in 2000 and test driving every new car I could find under, you know, $40,000 or whatever, multiple mm. times, right. To the point where people at dealerships knew me by name, right. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> It was really Security bad. Security gods knew you by yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, you, you know, they, they would just kind of, okay, what do you want to drive? And I would test drive Not these things today, over and over and over. Um, the cameras, you know, like all of this stuff, it just, I don't know why it gets under my skin, but the, the, the short answer on, on that iteration was there is, there is no perfect thing. There's just what's perfect for you. There's just what works for you. Mm -hmm. And 
if it gets out of your way and lets you just do the job that it was meant to do without you having to fiddle with it, then it's a great product or it's a great solution. It's a great service, whatever it is. Um, and, and getting this, this mix cast, and I, I can't thank Tascam enough for sending one out because it, it is a terrific device. And I told them, I said, look, I'm not going to do a review where I'm just reading off specs. That's, that's not, I mean, that's, that is anybody who knows me knows that that is not the way I do things. Nope. And <laughs> nope. Um, and it is a terrific device, but you've got to work for it because there's a lot of fiddling that you can do under the hood. Can you plug it in and, and get sound? Yes. Can you plug it in and record? Yes. But there are a lot of little tweaks and settings and fiddlings that you can do that will change the sound of your voice. And these things are not unlike presets. You know, people use a preset like a Fuji preset or even, you know, Sony's Color Science as kind of a a one size fits all. And if you watch a lot of YouTubers, you'll see them using and I've, I've talked about this before, a Shure SM7B. Is it a great mic? Yes, it's a great mic. But more importantly, everybody knows it's a great mic and it looks great on camera. It may not yeah, be the right yeah. mic for your voice, but somebody says, oh man, you want a podcast? You got to get a Shure SM7B. Yeah. And what sounds right for me may not sound right for you. So uh-huh. I put these things through their paces and I've generated... Jesus, Sean, I don't even know how many audio files with this thing. <laughs> Just trying different combinations. And, and I've gone back and poor Marco LaRousse, my hat goes off to him. Thank you, Marco, if you're listening to this for answering <laughs> all of my questions repeatedly. Yeah, I, I want to be thorough. You know, they were kind enough to, to provide this thing and I, I want to give them my feedback. I've, I've already sent, mm. you know, notes about here's what's missing for me or here's, you know, something that maybe doesn't work the way it should. And if you're targeting these kinds of people as, as your, your user base, then maybe you want to think about offering this as a, as a feature because that's going to connect, like all of this stuff, right? But you do have a, you, you do have a great brain. I think I've said to you, I can't remember whether I said it on this podcast, but like you, you should have been an inventor. You have like a, you have this brain that almost like, you know, there's exploded diagrams, you know, mm-hmm. like that's how you look at things. You, you pull it apart. You, you're going to test every piece of it and see what it does and does it do what you think it should do. And if there's a fault as a customer, Jeffrey Sidoris will find it. Like, like that's, that's, <laughs> that's how this works. And but I, it's, I, it's I, interesting. I mean, at, at what point, and I asked Richard about this this morning and he was, he was, you know, he, Richard, well. yeah, about well, Richard is like you in that he is very honest. And I can hear what he says to me, right? Mm. And we were, we were kind of talking about this stuff and, he, and I was telling him about, you know, what I've been doing with it. And he just said, yeah, but is it worth all that? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I get, I get that you need to do this for a, for a detailed review. I get that part. Mm-hmm. But is it so much better than what you've been doing for the past 12 years? I mean, is it really that much better that, that warrants this much time and, and effort? Mm. And I think that's a great question that maybe we can unpack a little for, for anybody who's making something, changing tools, changing processes, exploring something new. Yeah. Does it move the needle? And if it doesn't, are we just getting attached to because it's new, because it's different? Yeah. 
I mean, I've always had this thing because, you know, it goes backwards. It seems to be the like cliche on YouTube where different photography channels will make gear doesn't matter. Here's why gear actually matters. Gear doesn't <laughs> right. matter. Here's why gear actually matters. You know right. what I mean? Like it's like, but, but we know that both sides of those argument and they're both true. On the one hand, of course, gear doesn't matter. We're taking photographs with cameras that are infinitely superior to what, you know, Cartier-Bresson was using. And right. yet we're not shooting anything close to the quality of images he took by and large. So it's got nothing to do with the camera that we use. And yet, I think where it matters is having the right tool in your hand. And so, you know, me deciding that I need uh, a full-frame camera with a with a 50mm lens for my portraits because that's how I shoot is, is, a, is a, the right tool in my hand to get the shots that I like. But... I don't think it matters really whether I whether I you know shoot with uh, an Olympus or a Sony or a Leica or a Canon or a Nikon like that that is really irrelevant. It's just getting the right tool in your in your hand, and that that for me is where it begins and ends. The right tool. Whereas I think, whereas I think you and I might disagree on that because you'll you'll dig deeper for like the 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 nuances of of the of the of the quality that each put out and exactly i mean especially when it comes to i i i asked you for advice when i was setting this thing up my end with the with the roadcaster and microphones to do the audiobook because i knew you'd know about what different mics do because i know you've been through mics and you found a mic that you <laughs> like the sound of and yeah, I was that, that was the, another adventure <laughs> Well, I was, I was going to say, I bet there was a long list of microphones that you spoke into for many hours. Yes. And bless his heart, Jerry at Chuck Levin's music, I would come in and he would just grab a preamp and a pair of headphones and go, what do you want? And he would just, he would go grab me a bunch of mics and let me just kind of do my thing on, on the counter there. And, and I recorded, you know, me saying the same thing over and over and over again on different mics and then went home and listened to it to see how it sounded on my voice. I, I really respect that. Like I, I, because I, 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 as a perfectionist myself, like that's in me. I, I don't, I don't, I don't indulge it as much, but that's in me that, that desire to like really dig down to a granular level and work out what is actually the best. Knowing of course that if I do that, no one who experiences what I make will be able to pick up that granular difference. Well, and, and that's my question to you is, does it matter? And that was Richard's question to me. Does it matter? And, and for whom does it matter? When does it matter? Well, that's the question. Who does it matter to? Because it, I would say always that if it matters, if you think it matters to your audience, you're wrong. But if, you, if it matters to you, that's fine. But even that, I would question, I'm going to push back even on that because yeah. I have lost, I mean, honest to God, between all of it, I have lost countless hours to getting stuck on one thing that I really think matters, but ultimately, does it really? If, if, if anyone even notices, whatever it may be, you know, changing colors of red or, or changing the type of gel medium that I use or wanting to mm. go from acrylics to encaustic to cold wax to yeah. like... Is it just a general dissatisfaction with, with any process or tool that I always have to be fine? I, I don't know. I really don't know. Because these things become excuses. I'm guessing you enjoy it. I but at I, what I, cost, I, Sean? At what cost? Well, that, that's, that's a different question. But like, I don't think there's anything wrong in principle with, with enjoying taking something apart. 
and and working out what it does and and really digging deep with it i think there's something about that that brings you joy i think where the anxiety comes in about but is this the best that's probably the part that could yeah. hold you back or what is the return on all of this if well, yeah. because I, I i get stuck there too i get stuck on the whatever it is whatever i'm i'm chasing what is the return on this going to be and is it worth putting all of the time into it beyond because i enjoy it is because i enjoy it is that a good enough answer I really don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, I mean, if it doesn't hurt anyone and doesn't cost you anything, it, I think it's fine. If it does, though, that's where you have to count the cost, I suppose, and weigh it up. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 the way I've approached it is I don't want to spend time on that stuff. I can. I can do what you do, and I, and I, and I can get lost in it for hours happily. But I just at some point decided that I... I I want to make more things. I don't want to analyze the tools I use to make them. Right. And I want the tools to get out of the way. And there was a tipping point for me with that. I think it was around that sort of 2017 where I'd, I think I, I, I spoke about it in a video, but I, I built up, you know, these three completely different camera kits. You know, I had the, the, the ATD at the time with two lenses, the, the Sigma 18 to 35 and a, and a Canon something or other like a zoom those two that that those two lenses and that camera body and a bunch of mics were my video system and then i had two canon 5d mark ii's and five other lenses for those for my photography so a bit of redundancy um and they could also double duty i suppose as second cameras uh if i needed to do interview stuff and then i had a fuji xt20 and three lenses three prime lenses for that for street photography and walking about and I just, I just remember the day, like I'm, I'm looking at, I, I was trying to sort gear out to travel with. And I realized like I'm packing three backpacks to, to, and, uh, to, to go to a city where I've got to film a video and I also want to do some street photography, but maybe I also want to do a portrait with somebody, but they're all cameras and they all do basically the same thing. And I thought like my, my obsession about, yeah, but this one does it slightly better. And this one does it. I thought, how, how do I do less stuff? into one camera body that might not be the best at each of these things, but it's the best all rounder and means I can just take one thing. Um, and I mean, that's gone even further for me now because the camera I take with me every day at the moment is the little Ricoh GR3X, which is a 40 mil equivalent point and shoot camera. And that that's, I could, I, I, last year's book that went out is all on the Ricoh GR, except for like maybe three images in there. And I, I love, I, I would sacrifice the, 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 the kind of, that kind of pixel peeping attention to detail where I think maybe I could just push this a little bit better for no one will probably see the difference and I'd be, I'll be happier not thinking about it and, and traveling lighter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and has anyone contacted you and said, well, you know, Sean, Dynamic range on 2020, not so good, or 2021, not yeah, so good. Exactly, exactly. Those no 2020 one... pictures were something, but these, oof, rough. You know, Has anyone hilarious. contacted you about that? Yeah, the, the, only, the only pushback I've had was, was because I released the video telling people that I changed systems. <laughs> where, where they started going like, um, 
oh yeah well you well your images are totally going to change now you losing those beautiful it's fuji people all the time man right they're, they're the absolute worst i have to say photographers like if you shoot with a fuji make sure you're not being a stuck-up snob because man alive that lot are like obsessed with their colors and how brilliant they are i'm, I'm like and they were like yeah you know what i'm going to see these images from now on. and every image i posted after like yeah i could totally see that it's changing but they didn't know i'd been posting with the food with the sony's for almost two months and no one noticed and after that point i was still posting lots of fuji's and sony's mix because i always keep a bank of stuff that i upload and they were always commenting on the wrong wrong photograph on a fuji photograph going like yeah i can see this is sony it's rubbish it's not as good as the fuji and like none of you know you just think you do and you're upset about it but that's that's other people who think that those things really really matter who are trying to prove their own point about how important this stuff is when it's really not. And actually they can't tell the difference. None of them can. It's, it's, there have been other things. Like I remember there was a, I think I I might've sent you a link. There was a, you know, the megapixel thing. Like we need loads of megapixels to do big prints. I think it was Chris Howe on YouTube did a video where he took the 12 megapixel Sony A7S2 and he took the, the Fuji GFX 100S. So on the one end, he's got a 12 megapixel full frame camera. And on the other hand, he's got a 100 megapixel medium format camera. And he went around and he took photographs side by side of exactly the same thing at equivalent focal lengths and equivalent um, apertures. And then he printed them big. And then he took them to a bunch of photographers. I can't remember most of them. I know I know Peter McKinnon was one of them. And he put these prints down with him. He said, which is the 12 megapixel? Which is the 100 megapixel? We all say that that really, really matters. And you can definitely tell, right? Side by side of those, those prints with people. And they all got it wrong. All of them got it wrong. And you're like, well, what are we obsessing about? Like, what are we pixel peeping for? If the whole point of what we're doing is we want to communicate something to the world with our art and actually no one can tell the difference in the details. But, but maybe if I'm not obsessing about the gear so much and instead spending my money on traveling around and trying to see new things and, and, and getting out there more often to take more images, to tell better stories rather than, gosh, I can't do anything till I spend another two grand on a new Sony uh, G Master lens and then that one will be the one and then, but I get it and it's not exactly perfect. So I'm going to take it back and get the other one because that will be perfect. In all that time, we're not creating work. And actually those differences aren't nearly as apparent as we think they are and i would hazard a guess to say it's in those differences are invisible to almost everybody on the receiving end in which case who cares yeah well and i i I know that and you and i have talked about this offline i i know that part of this obsession that i have with this kind of stuff is so that i can avoid doing the work so that i can avoid doing the work despite loving doing the work yeah there is there is a there is a base level fear of how it will or won't be received. And if I don't, if I don't produce it, then I don't have to feel that, that fear, or I don't have to feel that, that reaction. And, and it doesn't make any sense. Again, we've talked about this. It doesn't make any sense because the reaction has never been, oh my God, that's, that's shit. <laughs> you, you know, you, you really, <laughs> oof, you really missed the mark on that one. Well, well, here's the test. You, you've been tinkering with that, with that Tascam for the last few weeks, and I know you put up audio from different sources. Yes. I, has, have you got one email? I haven't, but, you know, it's funny. I was listening back to 
And now somebody's going to, you know, as, as, as I say this, I'm going to get somebody going, oh, oh yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I saw that. I just didn't want to say anything. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't want to say, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. No, go ahead. Hurt my feelings. Um, to, to me, and, and maybe this is because I also got a new set of headphones. I got a, a pair of uh, Bayer Dynamic DT770s, which are nice. a little crispier on the high end. Mm. They're, they're not, I mean, they're a little more sibilant than, than the headphones that I was using before. But if I mm. listen back to last week's show, so that would be what, Deep Natter 34? Is this 35? Mm. This is 35. So if I listen back to 34, I listen to that and I go, ooh, man, I sound, I sound a little sibilant there. Some, some of the S's, S, 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 mm. that's a sibilant sound. Mm. Uh, some of that, it's a little, it's a little harsh. And I don't know whether that's because I'm listening back now on these 770s. I need to maybe go listen to it in a pair of Apple earbuds. You know, it's sort of like they, they, they say when you're, when you're making a record, the final test is to go listen to it in your car. Mm-hmm. Because not everybody has these, you know, $5,000 Tannoy monitors in their house, obviously. Well, so go it, listen yeah. to it on what everybody listens to it on and then see how it sounds. Yeah. So, you know, it may be much ado about nothing, but I'm listening to, uh, and this is the, the way I'm, the way I'm coming through right now. This is no, I, I don't think I'm going to do anything to it just as a test. This is no yeah. post-processing on my part. This is processing solely within the mix cast. So there's a, there's a tone control that you have manual control over. There's a compressor, there's a de-esser, and there's a noise gate. Mm. But I think this, I, you know, again, it's, it's splitting hairs. It's not better. It's just different. Yeah. There is, there is no objectively, is this objectively a better photograph than, the, no, it's, it's different. And it might be better to some, but then other people might think it's not. And I think audio is the same way. Yeah. I have, I have never, thankfully, knock wood, that was me knocking my desk, um, <laughs> which honestly, I don't even know if it's wood, but uh, <laughs> it's, you know, I haven't had anybody go, wow, your, your stuff really sounds like, like crap. I, I try to make it sound as good as I can make it at that point in my life. And my tastes change just like photographically, just like artistically. Yeah. You know, you yeah. started out thinking the photographs that you took in 1987 were great. And now you look back on them and go, Oof, those were rough. Yeah. Yeah. Same kind of thing. I can go back and listen to earlier episodes of shows mm. and God, I cringe when I listen to mm -hmm. not just the audio quality, but some of the questions I was asking, like, Oof, you know, but <laughs> irrelevant point is there is no, there is no objective right, wrong. I mean, yes, there's good and bad, but you got to go pretty far to one side or the other to get there. And I think yeah. that, you know, all of this again is, is me at least a part of it. I, I, I know I, I have to do a review of this thing because that was one of the reasons they sent it to me was so that I could, you know, do these kinds of audio tests that I, that I've been working on. Yeah. Um, because I think for some people out there, it will make a difference. It will matter. It will, they will listen to these and go, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's huh. Okay. I was going to get this, but maybe now I'll get this or vice versa. They may go, wow, I was thinking of getting that, but oof, now I don't think I need that. I think I'm going to get this. Mm -hmm. But at some point, I know that I get stuck on these kind of hamster wheels so that I can avoid doing something else. I and mean, you've experienced that with me. But it's a really honest thing to say. And I think it's a really common thing people deal with is, is it's almost like as long as you're, as you're tinkering away, getting ready to do something, you feel like you're, you're, 
you're in the process of doing it. But the next step is the risky one. Right. So let's stay in step one where I'm still, I'm still about to do it. So I'm still technically in the process of doing it, but I haven't hit the risky part. So we stay in the safe harbor before we push out to rough seas, you know, tinkering with the boat, making sure it's ready and seaworthy. I intend to go out. You can see me getting ready, but gosh, when I get out past those walls, it starts getting rough. How do we learn? And I'm asking for a friend. Spoiler, it's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do we learn to push that boat out more often and, and with, with, with greater purpose and intent? Because even it, it, we, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I have convinced myself that whatever I put out, the response is going to be awful. Wow. And I don't know why. I don't know when that changed because I didn't used to be that way. Yeah. But at some point it changed and I thought, well, you know, this is, this is, they're going to hate it. It's going to be crap. It's going to fall flat. Nobody's going to see it, watch it, listen to it, whatever it is. Mm. Despite there being no evidence of that, that's still more often than not where I land. And I don't know how to develop tools that help me get past that because I've tried reading, talking, but I still land there. And again, it's without any evidence that that's the way it's going to go. It's, it's purely in our heads. Yeah. Well, in my head. It's fear. It's only fear, isn't it? So because it's the unknown and we don't know how it'll be received, even if you've never had a bad review in your life and you don't get bad reviews for your stuff, you don't get people kicking off going, Jeffrey Storrs puts out rubbish work, just the opposite. But it's like, if I do the new thing, maybe that's when the bad reviews will come in. And I think the, uh, the only way to get through it is, uh, you see, this is the thing. I think we look for tools. We look for tricks that mitigate risk. But the fact is, you can't mitigate the risk. It's just practicing risk. That's, that's the tool, is, is facing it. There is no, there is no we're looking for a tool that, that, that lets us off the hook a little bit or, or softens the blow or makes it more difficult. But then it's not risk, and then it's probably not making good work. It's, it's, there's no substitute for facing it bravely. Yeah. I don't think. And it's, it's just mustering courage. It's just going, I, I don't have, I don't have control. I mean, I think this is, this is, I mean, we had a little chat um, after you read my book. And I think the, the one chapter that hit you was that control chapter. You said you struggled with that chapter. Yeah, very much. And, and I think it's probably around this issue is the whole, the whole, reason we fear stuff as artists is is that control idea that we have control over the work that we produce uh to an extent we can do the best we can at that point in time and we can be perfectionist about it and, and do it as well as we can and tinker for, for forever to make it as good as we think it is but the minute we share that work with the world we lose control of of all the responses that come in after that and there's no amount of work we can do before we release it that guarantees everyone will like it that's not possible and and i think sometimes this is why i talk i talk about like tortured perfectionists you know when you've walked into a tortured perfectionist workspace because it's full of great work that they're hiding away from the world and post they it don't notes. want to show people <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, post-it notes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Co- walls covered with post-it notes and like yeah you, you you know sometimes you'll get a friend who like plays you a song that they've written on their computer like very embarrassed they can't look you in the eye but they kind of find the courage to show one other person you're blown away by how good it is 
You know, you've got to show people this. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they close it down and you know no one will ever hear it. Like that's a tortured perfectionist because because they they cannot guarantee that everyone will like it because it, you can't release anything into the world that everybody likes. And so they would rather mitigate the risk by not even stepping out and just go, well, well, I made it. But once I release it, it, it ceases being mine. It becomes it becomes my work that bounces off a million other people's opinions and their own experiences of the world and their own tastes. And it's going to create a messy soup of responses that might make me question what I've done. And that seems scary. Whereas if I just keep it to myself, I can, I can assume in theory that maybe it's good, but I never have to test it because that's scary. Yeah. Can I ask you something? Mm. Uh, it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, we were talking and I, and I was, I was talking about maybe wanting to, you know, it was when I was scanning some of the post-it notes and, and loose papers all over the office upstairs. Mm. Um, I was talking about wanting to kind of release some of that stuff and, and just share some of the ideas that I've had. Yeah. And as I've been thinking about that for the past week or two, whatever it's been, is that a cop-out? Is it, is, is, is releasing them without me even iterating on them or tempting them? Am, am I copping out? And I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think you do by asking that. Cause I, cause I think you're right. Like you, you know, you've got some good ideas there. You know, you do. But by saying, well, I, I don't have time to do it. You go do it. If you think it's a good idea, I'm absolving myself. It's still generous. Yes, but as I'm thinking through it, I'm questioning my own motivation. Yeah. And that's a good thing to do. I, I, th I think, yeah, there probably is an element of that. And I think, I think the test would be, what if someone did take one of those ideas and made something brilliant from it? Would you be upset that you didn't do that? I don't think so because I don't, I think I'm pretty comfortable in, in like knowing where my limitations lie. Mm, mm. Right. I'm, I'm pretty good at punching my weight. I know what I can and can't deliver on. I'm really good at ideas. I'm really good at coming up with concepts and, and I'm really good at telling you what you should do. <laughs> you know what you should do. Um, but when it comes to producing those things or, or making it tangible or, or putting it out into the world or promote. I mean, I'm rubbish at promoting. I know that I'm, t I'm terrible yeah, yeah. at social media. I'm terrible at, at the consistency of marketing and, and beating my own drum as Bill called in that episode, being my own town crier. I'm terrible at that. Yeah. Yeah. But I love doing the behind the scenes work. Mm. And, and Adrian was joking with me. She's like, you just need to own the company. And, and be able to come up with the ideas and, and hand them off to teams and go, okay, go build this. Go make this. Yeah, you, you are a little bit Steve Jobs, aren't you? Oh, geez, no, no. no? I'm, okay. I'm not the lint on Steve's shoes. Although, there was, <laughs> but, let's, but let's be it, honest, it, there was no lint on Steve's shoes. No, no, no. <laughs> he wouldn't tolerate squeaky that. Clean, squeaky clean, squeaky <laughs> clean. Um, like, but it is, that, it is that mentality. And you do have people who are ideas people. I think that's, that's also true, though. I mean, I, I've known other people, not just you, who are those ideas people. They come up with brilliant ideas every week. I don't. 
Like I, I, I get one a year, maybe if I'm really lucky. Like you, you, you have that mind that's constantly thinking up new stuff. That's why your 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 desk was, I'm happy to say, full of post its. Like right. because they're, they're constantly coming out. And that's You're not right. the fear. Like, the fear is not, I. The fear is not in the ideation or the iteration. The mm. fear is in making those things public. Yeah. The fear is is in executing them and having having the thing or the service or the product or whatever it is not be what I thought it would be in my head. Yeah. 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 And that's that control thing because the minute you give it to the world, they get to decide what they think about it and they'll all have different opinions. It, it, it's really interesting, isn't it? Cause it's like, I mean, in the book I talk about it, like, I think we need to learn to be more self-centered and, and try to reclaim that word. Cause often that's used badly. Like if you're self-centered, you're arrogant, but actually the, 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 in the whole chapter on ego, I talk about the fact that like ego is really, really important because it's the part of you that knows who you are and what you're trying to do and hopefully gives you the courage to do it, even though, you know, some will like it and some won't and being able to stand by that so that when you did that, that's the only thing I think a healthy ego, not one that's just full of itself and can't hear any criticism that that's not healthy, but being able to make something knowing that it won't please everybody and still have the courage to release it to the world because you believe in it alone. You believe in it. That's the courage every artist I think needs to find because otherwise you will make a bunch of stuff and hide it away because you're, you're afraid that not everyone will like it. I mean, I've, I've used the example of um, Patrice O'Neill, who was a comedian who passed away, I think in 2012. And he used to talk about the fact that his personality and the fact that he wanted to be a progressive, edgier comedian that talked about very difficult issues. The success, the mark of success for him was that he, if, if he walked only half the room on a night and walking the room in, in, in comedy terms just mean people walk out because they don't want to listen to what you have to say. He's like, he didn't, he didn't have, I think there's lots of people who play it safe or would play it safe on a stage. They want everyone laughing. They want everyone to love what they said and they don't want anyone offended. And that's how they play it. And of course you can just be an ass and you like offending people. There's definitely that as well. But I think that takes a courage if, you, if you're doing that for good reasons, because you're trying to push the mark. I mean, he, he was an African-American talking about race. And, and people got offended by the way that he talked about race and would walk out the room. But he considered that success. If he walked half the room and he split it like that, he's like, good, I, I pushed people in their opinions. And I, I, I got them thinking about things. And some didn't like it and some did. And maybe, maybe some people rethought them some things at the end of the night. But he's still a comedian who emptied half the room, which to most people is something they could never handle. Like that's, that's public rejection. That's terrifying. Standing on a stage and talking is terrifying, but half the room walking out because they don't like that's terrifying. Like, I'd love to be able to find the courage. You know, I'm not an edgy comedian, but I'd love to be able to find the same courage that says, no matter what I put out into the world, I don't mind. And this has been the learning curve for me on being, being on social media in some ways. I, I often have people who don't like something I do or something I say, but to have the courage to say, that's okay. In fact, that's to be expected. If I'm saying interesting things, that's to be expected. And I should be questioning myself, perhaps, if everyone likes what I have to say. Maybe I'm playing it too safe. You know, maybe I need to say more interesting things. The, the most criticism I've got on videos are things like uh, when I did the video with Fiona Locke, for example. I, um, I had a little two, three minute intro on that video where I talked about how 
um, male-centric and, and gear-focused photography forums are and said, for me, Fiona, as a female photographer who, who, who admits she's not technical, she doesn't care, she sticks a camera on auto and doesn't use a tripod. She sticks it on, a, on, on, on dry stone walls up, up hills and then takes beautiful port- self-portraits up there. I don't care. I don't care about that stuff. And I think maybe our, our, our obsession about, I think, well, I think I was being slightly, you know, poking the bear by saying, you know, men measuring the length of each other's lenses. Like, I think, I think like that kind of obsession definitely got, or that kind of conversation definitely got a lot of pushback from people, but that's okay. Because I, because I think it is a problem the way that we, do we obsess about those things and how, how dominated those spaces are by a very particular sort of human being. And and I wanted to challenge that and bring a little bit a better bit of balance. So of course, I get called you know a self hating man and a woke whatever. That's okay, but but I, I think we should have that conversation. And I always think the healthiest groups should be able to criticize themselves. So I, I wanted to try and model that, but I had to find the courage to post that and then weather the reaction that would come back in. And yeah, that that takes believing in what you're doing apart from the fact that some people won't like it. I feel like I've been doing the work, you know, I feel like I've been trying to understand and trying to move past and trying to get better about it. But if I'm being honest, man, there are days when I just want to sell it all and go work at Home Depot, Mm -hmm. you know, or there, or there are days where I just want to just go, I, I can't. And again, it's, there's no evidence that this stuff is going to be met with anger or derision or contempt or even apathy. There's no evidence of that. But, but I convince myself regularly that whatever I'm putting out, whether it's writing or podcasts or paintings or whatever it is, it's not good enough. And I guess the question is, who is it not good enough for? Yeah. Now, Adrian would tell you it's my father. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She would tell you that I'm still, that, that, what did she say the other day? Like something like he, he really did a number on you and I hate him for that. Yeah. Yeah. You said apathy. Uh, and that's my biggest fear. I think I can easier stomach a strong opinion about my work, but people not caring. I think that's what I'm most afraid of. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, with the shows, it's, you're not even going to download it. It's like you just, you look at the title or you, you know, you look at the description and you go, Oh God, <laughs> I don't need to, I don't need to hear them talk about that. And you just move yeah. on. Yeah. You know, I would rather you listen and go, you know what? You two knuckleheads need to just stop because here's what's going on. At least you, you had a rea- I agree with you. You had a reaction. Mm-hmm. You had some sort of emotional connection, disconnection, react, something. But just to, to walk by, I mean, or, or a photograph or a painting or whatever it is, just to walk by and go, meh, and just keep going. Oh, that's the worst. That it is, isn't it? That's, it's definitely true for me as well. Yeah. It's like making videos that you release and people not, not that like, you know, get a lot of views and generate a conversation and lots of people disagree with you and there's hate and there's love and both. That's kind of cool to sit in, even if do, people do disagree with you. The worst one is like, no one watches it because it's bland and boring. It's the same right. podcast episodes, isn't it? Like no one downloads it because that sounds boring. I don't even want to bother. That's, that's the biggest fear, I think. Well, and you can see, we, we've talked about that. You, you can see in, in your metrics when people check out. Yeah. 
and you kind of, you know, some of them, it's eight seconds in, 12 seconds. And you're like, really? You, you didn't even give me a chance. You didn't even, yeah. you didn't even give me a chance to disappoint you. <laughs> yeah, it was coming, but you didn't get there yet. Like, there's a really disappointing part of four minutes 50, but you didn't right. even make but it. But no, there. you didn't, you couldn't even be bothered to let me disappoint yeah. you. And I just, man, I, I know it's fear. I know that fear really messes with us and it really gets in our head. And Stephen Pressfield's made a career out of, out of oh, yeah. telling us about that. And it's, it's, there's, a, mis, there's a, a, a tool that is not in my box for consistently getting past it or consistently silencing that voice. And when it becomes really overwhelming, that's when I sink into these OCD, obsessive, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to uncover every single thing about this pencil right here that's in my hand. I'm going to, I'm going to find out where the cedar came from and I'm going to find out where the graphite (laughs) came from and who made the ferrule and where, you know, what kind of, is it ethically sourced rubber in the, like, I'm going to just sink into that for a week because then I don't have to think about this other stuff that really does need to get out into the world or really does want to get out into the world. You don't have to put it on paper and draw something with it right right yeah yeah i i I think i think we'll get a lot of people responding to this saying me too i think this is a really really common thing Uh, when was the last time you read the war of art oh gosh you know what uh it's been probably a couple years um i found a gosh a terrific little like limited edition it was in our, our free library up the end of the street, mm. a hardcover, like a reflective metallic kind of hardcover edition. Mm-hmm. I need to read it again. I think it's one of those books that's, it's a really short read as well, but it's one of those books every, every artist needs to read every year because there's, there's so, he's, he's really kind of nailed it for me, what, what that resistance is for us um, it, from so many angles that like, well, you, you'll relate to at least half the book hardcore and be like, wow. Um it's a, it's a brilliant book. Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, if you want to go look it up or get one from Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, right, get one from me. And it, it's interesting, you know, one of the things about the idea of resistance is it's impersonal in the sense that it attacks all of us. Yeah. But it knows, you know, what, what was the, oh my God, was it Poltergeist? That, uh, you know, the movie Poltergeist? Toby Hooper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What was the tag? The tagline was something like it knows what you're afraid of or it knows what scares you uh, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I think, you know, that's how resistance works. It it knows it knows exactly what it needs to say. Yeah. In order to get under your skin. And and it's like a, you know, it's a pebble in your shoe. It just won't go away. Mm. It just sits there and gnaws at you and gnaws at you and gnaws at you. And when you just try to go, oh, I know what you're doing, you you sneaky resistance you and you change mm. and tack a different direction it's going to tack along with you and it still stays there mm-hmm. for me anyway but I, th- I think so much of so much of it gets softened when we name it every time like what because you're right i think every everyone's resistance has its own flavor based on our personalities and fears and then if we know what those are for us specifically what our list of resistances are then when they pop up the quicker we can name it and have some self-awareness about what's really going on, the quicker we can choose against it and make something anyway. I think that's the trick. Man, I don't know. Because I'm, I'm, it's a trick that I would love to learn yeah. to be able to, to pull out of my toolbox more consistently. Because right now, 
there are days, like I said, there are days where I just go, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with the quality of the work. It has nothing to do with the interestingness of the work. It has nothing to do with the people who are kind enough to give me their time to talk to me and, and, and like all of that, or, or, you know, the type of work that I'm making in, in the, the paint studio, the, that side of the thing. Yep. It has everything to do with my own reconciling of, of the fear around it or, or inability to reconcile the fear around it is probably the closer point. Yeah, I think it's very, very common. I heard a quote though, like, cause this is what I think. It's like, maybe you'd sit and go, yeah, but if people were buying my art and downloading my podcasts in the millions, then I, then I'd be happy. And, and this, this fear would go away. Um, but I was listening to a podcast this week and I can't remember the exact quote, but it said something like, you can't be truly depressed until you've attained your dreams. Wow. <laughs> See, now I, now I don't want to attain them. <laughs> Yeah, because because <laughs> if that's I, I love true, that because it's yeah, because it 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 kind of it kind of drives home that like you think there's a goal, right? You know, you think there's a clearly defined goal, but no one is de- is as depressed as someone who actually attained that goal and realized it wasn't it. Yeah, and everyone and everyone does that. Like everyone thinks if I get so much attention or so many, so many good reviews or so many, you know, so much feedback on my work or things that, that, that are coming back to me. I, I, I've learned that that's not a real thing and that it, the, the, the actual dream should be, it never is until very late in most of our lives. I think, um, I battle with it all the time. The, the, the actual goal should be making work we believe in and we're happy with that we want to share with others and then let it, let it go release it into the world because yeah, you'll never be as, you'll never be as depressed as when you actually reach your dreams. You know, I may be a bit biased, but I think this was one of our best episodes yet. What do you think? Let us know by sending an email or better yet a voicemail to deepnatter at gmail.com. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app and support the show by leaving a review or a rating wherever you listen or by sharing the episode on social media. You can help support the costs of producing the shows directly by tapping the donate button at jeffreysadoris.com. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S.com. Connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K on his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. And as a reminder, you can pick up a copy of his book, The Meaning in the Making, on his website or at bookstores everywhere. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sidoris. And as always, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. And we hope you'll come back for the next one. All right. All right. All right. All right. Ooh, off axis. No good. Much better being on axis here. This is good. Although is it, is it, is a little thin? I don't know if it's thin. Tone sounds pretty good. I think I do 2.5 on the low end, 2.5 on the low end. Test, test, test. One, two, one, two. Oh yeah. See, that gets me into the 17s. 
Maybe 1.5 is good. Although 0.5 dB, it's not bad. If I go to 140, how about that? Oh, that's good. That's smooth. That's not bad. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's still good. This is 120. Boom, boom. Test, test, boom. Test, test, boom. And then 130. Actually, go to 140. So this is 140. Boom, test, boom, test, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it doesn't have that boom. doesn't have that boominess. Still has a nice, nice resonance. Resonance. Boom, boom, test, test, boom. Boom, boom, test, test, boom. Yeah, I think I can tell the difference.